your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line as we launch into another week of fun and excitement here on Free Talk Live. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com where the features are totally free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. To start things out, story uh, we mentioned over the weekend never got to pretty disturbing. And it'll tie into another breaking news story from earlier today about privacy and what U.S. officials are saying privacy should come to mean these days. They want to change the definition of privacy. But first, to Los Angeles and a very disturbing story. Can the government story. just go ahead and change the definition of words? Well, sure they can, because, uh, again, in the, in the world of legal land, in the legal world, and that's where the government exists, okay? The government exists in the legal land. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can redefine whatever they want to. They, uh, when they create laws, they have a definition section, usually. And it will redefine uh, words that you thought you know what the definitions were. Now, the words still mean the same thing in real life, in the the world we all live in. But in the government legal land, they mean something completely different. So we'll talk about privacy in a moment. But first, uh, to Los Angeles, where civil rights advocates, according to the Associated Press, are criticizing plans, and rightfully so, by the LAPD to map the city's Muslim communities, calling it racial profiling. Now, that's sort of like the, I don't know, what is that, like a 90s and uh, aughts buzzword that is being applied here? It may very well be racial profiling, but this is much more, uh, I think, devious than just plain old racial profiling. I mean, in, in, with the term racial profiling, you know, they're sort of playing the race card. Hey, you're only doing this because we're Muslims. Well, they're not mapping blacks and the Mexicans in Los Angeles, so... You know, it's not necessarily just that it's about race. Well, I mean, it's about a particular race. Yeah. It is racial profiling, but it's more reminiscent of what happened to the Jews in Nazi Germany or the Japanese uh, people in America than anything else. Well, let's hear the article, and I'll, I'll decide what it is. The LAPD's Counterterrorism Bureau plans to identify Muslim enclaves in order to determine which might be likely to become isolated and susceptible to violent, ideologically-based extremism. How are they going to do this? Well, <laughs> you see, Mark, these are just their excuses for mapping the Muslims. I'm sure they had an excuse. You know, I don't think they mapped the Japanese people in uh, the 1940s or the or was it the early 40s when they started picking them or late 30s? It, uh, early 40s. It would have been a lot of uh, very difficult at that time. They didn't right. have computers to do all the tracking. Right. But they did use census data they to used, find these people. They used census information, and I don't know what the excuse was in the beginning, but uh, right now. Essentially, they're coming out with reasons for doing this that are supposed to sound okay. In fact, they're going to make it sound like they want to work with the Muslims, that they're, they're going to help the Muslims somehow. Um, and Good. it seems to me help. that this is just a first step on the way Seven towards... Seven scariest words in the English language. I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. Right, exactly. It seems to me this is nothing more than the first step down the road toward eventually coming and rounding these people up. That's just the impression that I get. It seems like a... a, a the, the the first step that that one would want to take if one wanted to do something like this. Okay. Um. And these are government people, so I'd believe that if I uh, believe it if they did. Anyway, uh, he says we want to know where the Pakistanis, Iranians, and Chechens are, so we can reach out to those communities. Does this sound so nice? It sounds kind of almost warm and fuzzy. They they want to reach out. Well, what are they going to do when they reach out? Are they going to reach out and? Grab their fathers and put them in detainment camps because they're suspected of possibly plotting against the United States? 
Downing says the plan's still in its early stages, but the LAPD wants to work with a Muslim partner and intends to have the data assembled by the University of Southern California's Center for Risk and Economic Analysis. So they want to find somebody who is a Muslim to help them out with their little plot. You don't think there would have been some turncoat Japanese or turncoat Jews in uh, the early part of the 20th century that would have done similar jobs, right? I'm sure there were. Hey, just tell us where all your friends live and uh, we promise we'll go easy on you. Yeah, whatever that, that means. Thing. Downing testified about the plan for the Senate. In his testimony, he said the Bureau wanted to, quote, we want to take a deeper look at the history, demographics, language, culture, ethnic breakdown, socioeconomic status, and social interactions of the city's Muslim communities. There are an estimated 500,000 Muslims in Los Angeles, uh, Ocean and Riverside counties. On Thursday, several Muslim groups and the ACLU of Southern California... The, does the LAPD cover all of that? I can't imagine that they do. I don't know. They, meant, they mentioned all those counties, and this is the LAPD Counterterrorism Bureau. Okay. On Thursday, several Muslim groups in the ACLU sent Downing a letter expressing grave concerns about the program. Quote, singling out inv- individuals for investigation, surveillance, and data gathering based on their religion constitutes religious profiling that is just as unlawful, ill-advised, and deeply offensive as racial profiling, said the letter. It was signed by the representatives of the ACLU. The plan basically turns LAPD officers into religious political analysts while their role is to fight crime and enforce the laws. Said right. And, you know, that's, that's really the problem here. Police are supposed to arrest people that commit crimes. Um, these people haven't committed any crimes. I don't no. think the police should have anything to do with them. Well, again, that's why you really have to ask the question, what is the real purpose of this? I mean, they're mapping Muslims in Los Angeles Well, for the purpose of... Here's the part I don't understand is, why is the local police doing this? If, if this is something to be concerned with, why isn't the Department of Homeland Security um, doing it, which I, well, I don't support at all? Well, that doesn't mean it would be any better if the Department no, of Homeland Security did it. No, it wouldn't be any better. It would be and worse, you have to remember, but I'm just wondering. Every police department, or most of them, especially the LAPD, is getting Department of Homeland Security money, so that may be what... Some of the things they're spending their money on, you know, is doing okay. something like this. For all we know, the idea was handed down from the Department of Homeland Security, you know, but they just don't have enough bureaucrats to do it, so they turned it over to the LAPD. That's just speculation on my part. Uh, but apparently, the Muslim Public Affairs Council is working, is considering working with the LAPD. Their executive director said, We'll work with the LAPD and give them input while at the same time making sure that the people's civil liberties are protected. Of course they're going to make it look right now like they care about people's civil liberties. Um, they're going to do whatever they can to assuage this Muslim group into helping them get, uh, give, them, give out this information about where people live. So, of course, it's going to look that way on the front, but there, there, cannot, be anything, there cannot be anything good about this idea. I mean, remember, the idea is to determine which Muslim enclaves might become isolated and susceptible to violent, ideologically-based extremism. Well, okay, let's say you determine that. Yeah, like, yeah. Then what? Okay, this little neighborhood here has got a bunch of Muslims in it, and we've determined it's susceptible to ideologically-based extremism. Now what? Sounds... Now please, hypothesize for me. What's next? It can't be good. Well, now, remember, over the weekend, we talked about a story that said that there apparently is now, it's going to be legal, or there the proposal's on the table. I, I don't know if it's gone through yet, but the proposal's on the table to make it so that uh, the federal government can charge you with preventative detention. 
Which means that if they think that you're going to do something, i.e. become a violent, ideologically based extremist, Mm -hmm. that they can pick you up and put you in a jail cell. And then if you ever see the inside of a courtroom, it will be a special tribunal, a star chamber, a a non-regular American court. It will be a special court that's a non-public trial and all that stuff. Right, as as though going to the court isn't scary enough and uh, enough people get convicted of crimes that they likely didn't commit. Um, now we're going to have new courts that are more likely to convict you. So, so again, the, the, even the, the idea that they're talking about having this preventative detention thing where you don't have to actually commit a crime. They just have to think you're going to. And then they put you into somewhere where no one can probably find you. That's something they're talking about doing at the federal level. At the same time, you have the LAPD saying... Oh, we just want to determine, we just want to know where all the Muslims live so we can determine which ones might become susceptible to violent ideologically based extremism. <laughs> That's all. Look, we, we just want to work with you guys. This, does this seem as chilling to you as it does to me? It, it, it seems chilling. Um, you know, I wonder, first they do it to the Muslims, right? <laughs> exactly. And then, then they're going to do it to other people. I mean, right. what are they going to do with, you know, if they decide that uh, the Michigan militia sorts are, uh, you know, they're scary. What does about that mean they're going to come lovers? after me? What about liberty lovers who will obviously get very, very upset if they start rounding people up? Liberty lovers start going out and protesting. Then they're going to need to target us and make sure that we stay quiet. More on the way. How do you feel about this? 800-259-9231. Wait till you hear what they think about privacy. Next, it's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features for free. Live streams there, broadband version of the show, and a dial-up version as well. Both waiting for you for free at freetalklive.com. And your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does this bother you? Well, it bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try those uh, their crib mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com for the sleep you've been dreaming of. That's SavvyRest.com. As we go right into the phone calls here, talk to Matt in Illinois on the amplifier line. Hello, Matt. Hi, guys. How are you? Good. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, first off, I want to say that it was a year ago on November 11th that I first started listening to you guys. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> Thanks for sticking around. All right. Um, I want to know, these, the uh, you were talking about Muslims being profiled. Yeah, not only profiled, because, you know, the, again, to me, the term racial profiling just elicits the uh, concept of a cop eyeballing cars as they're driving down the street saying, ah, oh, black guy, I'm going to pull him over. This seems a little more severe than that. They're actually mapping where Muslims live, supposedly for the purpose of trying to figure out if they're going to be susceptible to ideologically based extremism. But this seems to me like a first step towards uh, being able to confiscate Muslims at will. Yeah, that's that's what I wanted to ask you. Susceptible to violent ideological extremism. Yeah. Would you consider a group of uniformed men with weapons who might want to make sure that authoritarians are obeyed violent extremists? <laughs> 
Yes, I would consider that. And yes. Couldn't those very same Muslims be susceptible to those extremist violent uh, tendencies? You mean a Muslim uh, working for the federal government or uh, any state or local government? Any Muslim. If if that if those if those extremists suddenly decided that maybe they wanted to put them away somewhere. Yeah, I can see that. So you're saying that if the extremists wanted to, uh, I don't know, if they threatened them with you either join us or you go to a camp, that sort of thing? Yeah. yeah. Well, we already know that they're uh, they're giving uh, people that are going to jail the opportunity to join the military instead, so I, I guess that's sort of similar. So is the purpose of this um, uh, mapping to find susceptible uh, peoples? So that they know where these susceptible peoples live, because they might be able to target them more easily. Then it's an it's an interesting uh, question. Fine job on that one, Matt. Any other thoughts? Uh, no. Thanks, dude. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. This is very frightening to me. Um, I'm not no, I'm not a Muslim, but you have to understand. Uh, Pastor Martin Niemöller said it best. Uh, to paraphrase, you know, first they came for the communists, then they came for the Jews, and then they came for me and by that time there was no one else left to defend me it was i know that's a truncated version of very what truncated but yeah i mean that's that's essentially the concept if you don't stand up for other people's freedoms how the hell can you expect somebody to stand up for yours i mean you want people to come to your aid when right. you and your family's attacked and you know you've got to stand up for other people's too and there's also a suggestion in here it's it's kind of subtle uh, but the suggestion is that Muslims are more likely to be susceptible to violent so-called extremism. Why is that? Wasn't the Oklahoma City bomber a white boy? I mean, I mean, I guess it could be white. There are white Muslims, but uh, but do you see my point? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't just necessarily say, oh, well, those black people they're in jail more often, so therefore they're more likely to be violent. That's not true. Not true at all. And are we targeting black people for that? No. That would be politically unpopular, but apparently right. there's nothing... It definitely would pl- be politically unpopular, but the statistics would bear you out when it comes to blacks, whereas with Muslims, I don't think that st- statistics necessarily would bear you out. Um, I don't know if statistics say that black people are more likely to be violent, Mark. I think they, they might just, show that they're, they're more likely caught. To be, right, they're more likely to be uh, put in jail for a violent yeah. crime, right. statistically. And, you know, it, I'm not saying that that's because they're black. I'm saying it's because they're put in jail for it. But no one's going there. No one's uh, no one's proposing that they map black folk or or you know white trash or Hispanic people or or anybody else that could possibly be dangerous. Everybody has the potential to be dangerous. Why don't we map high school students while we're at it? I mean, we've got these high school shootings. Male high school students should be on the map too while we're at it. I mean, that they're dangerous, aren't they? See, do you see, do you see where I'm going here? Mm-hmm. Why are they just targeting the Muslims? Well, it's politically feasible. People will look at this article and say, yeah, you got to map those Muslims, they're dangerous killers. Well, no, they're not. Most Muslims are very peaceful individuals. Most, most Muslims don't follow a radical version of their, uh, their sect. You know, they just, and the ones that do likely wouldn't be following that radicalized uh, version here in America if we weren't over there messing around in in the countries that they're from. Well, sure, that's the other. Uh, that's the, the the way to correct the situation is to withdraw the troops. Of course, Ron Paul's all about that, and that's that's another issue. But just the fact that this is going on, it's and it's going on out in the open. You can see them getting ready to do these things. Now, does this mean that next year they're going to have camps and they're going to start putting Muslims in it? No, not necessarily. But they could, especially if they know where they all live. (laughs) I want to know from you, am I overreacting here? 
Or am I seeing some indicators that deserve to be reacted to in this way, that deserve to be paid very, very close attention to? 1-800-259-9231. And I know that, ooh, I don't know if we're on in Riverside right now, but if we are on in Riverside, you guys are in the midst of all this. Uh, Please comment on this, 800-259-9231. In the meantime, let's talk about privacy, because they want to change the definition of privacy. According to the Associated Press, a top intelligence official says, it's time people in the United States change their definition of privacy. Can you believe this? (laughs) Privacy can no longer mean anonymity says Donald Kerr, the principal deputy director of national intelligence. Instead, it should mean that government and business properly safeguards people's private communications and financial information. Hmm. Well, that's good. Now I feel better. So, privacy... <laughs> privacy, the new, new speak, I guess, right? Shouldn't mean that you actually can keep anything anonymous. But what it should mean is that government should treat your private data very, very carefully. Yeah. Gov- you should trust government to protect you and protect your private information, which isn't really private information anymore because government, government has access it. to it all. But uh, that's okay because government people are inherently more trustworthy than everybody else in the world, right? Oh, no. Wait, you're telling me that government people are just as crooked as anybody else? In fact, if not more so, because they have positions of power? Well, never mind all that nonsense. Kerr's comments come as Congress is taking a second look at the Foreign Surveillance Intelligence Act. Lawmakers hastily changed the act last summer to uh, to allow the government to eavesdrop inside the United States without court permission, so long as one end of the conversation was reasonably believed to be located outside of the U.S. The original law required a court order for any surveillance conducted on U.S. soil to protect Americans' privacy. The White House argued the law was obstructing intelligence gathering. It's a pain in the butt. Like, that Constitution, it's uh, obstructing us, too. Let's get rid of it. The most contentious issue from the new legislation is whether to shield telecommunications companies from civil lawsuits for allegedly giving the government access to people's private emails and phone calls without a court order between 2001 and 2007. So that's what they're that's what they're bickering uh, bickering about. They could care less about privacy going away. It's whether or not to protect the companies um, who are giving up your private information. More on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. It's time to pick a candidate, a serious candidate for president, and start moving forward. That candidate is George Phillies. This is George Phillies, Libertarian for President. I approved of this message, paid for by Phillies 2008. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The feature's there completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We go right into the phone calls here, uh, and we'll talk to William in Maryland. William, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Oh, yeah. I wanted to say something really quick about the Muslim profiling thing. Yeah, uh, really... Los Angeles Police Department is going to be mapping where Muslims live. Yeah, there's a really interesting statistic that a lot of when a lot of people bring up uh, profiling of Muslims, one thing I think it's important to recognize is um, the national, according to the National Counterterrorism Center, only about one third of all terrorist attacks are motivated by Muslim um, groups. Hmm. Another third is by secular groups. And the uh, the last third, they don't even know what they're motivated by. 
So the odds that like this mapping thing will help them find any kind of terrorists is like a billionth of a percent. Yeah, I don't believe for a moment that's the purpose of this program. It seems to me to cl- clearly to be the first step on the road to harassing Muslims even further, possibly even detaining them uh, without any cause whatsoever, simply what is, for being who, Muslims in the wrong place. Who is, who is the? Uh, who, where is this happening? You said again. Los Angeles. Oh no! Who is the? Uh, who's the person in charge that, that that's setting this up? That's doing this. Oh, the LAPD's Counterterrorism Bureau. Uh, it sounds to me like they're just trying to impress somebody. Like they're just trying to like let people, I guess, I don't know, sort of feel more confidence in them or something. That like, could that show. could be a factor. But again, you know, I mean, if you look at at uh, some of the history, what's it? The Tutsis, Mark, in uh, in Africa, the Tutsis yeah. and the Hutus. The, yeah, the Hutus uh, were trying to wipe out the Tutsis. Right. So what they did was they started putting uh, identification as far as what they, was it, were those religions or or uh, those are ethnic tribes. tribes. Okay. They they started putting tribal identifications on people's identif- uh, ID cards. and That way you don't have to be able to read, in fact, to be able to tell who is a Hutu and who's a Tutsi. You just have to see the little stamp, the little symbol, and you, know, you mow them down with a yeah, machine gun. Right, I don't, know what their purported, had... I don't know what their purported reason for doing that was at, at first, but you can guarantee they didn't tell everybody, hey, we're putting these on here so we can slaughter you later. But that's what they did with it. Well, yeah, after 9-11, they had Muslims in camps in uh, New York and New Jersey, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had a few thousand, and like they eventually uh, got rid of them all. They either deported them or charged them with something, and nobody really knows what happened to like the thousands of them that, you know, when they just disappeared. Yeah, that's pretty frightening. Mm-hmm. Do you have now, any other thoughts? You said the, um, the, st- the statistics were that uh, a third of uh, these uh, terrorist acts were committed by Muslims. When's this? Uh... No, I don't believe he said it was a third. Was less than that. Yeah, wasn't it, was, it? it was a third. It was a third. But the thing is, though, it's it very third. low. Though the, the total number of terrorist incidents across the whole world. Right, and the, like the chance that that's going to happen to you, yeah. Yeah, and most of them are in Iraq too. Now, um, oh, of course. It, but when, when's the time frame on it? I mean, from when um, to when? What do you mean? Well, um, oh, oh, if we like, is it all year. of them in, in the last two hundred years or? No, I think I think the la- I don't know. I think just the last year for two thousand six. I think. Okay. It's on nctc.gov. I'll go there. Very good, William. Yeah. Any other thoughts? No, that's all. Thanks for the call, dude. 800-259-9231. Since we're talking terrorism, let's talk about suitcase nukes. You've heard about them. They are scary. They sound scary. Mm-hmm. The idea is, right, that somebody could sneak this into the country easily and then blow up all sorts of things with their nuclear powers in a suitcase. Well, according to the Associated Press... Members of Congress have warned about dangers of suitcase nuclear weapons. Hollywood has made television shows and movies about them. Of course, it's sexy and dangerous. Yeah. Even in the uh, even the Federal Emergency Management Agency has alerted Americans to a threat. Information the White House includes on its website. But government experts and intelligence officials say such a threat gets vastly more attention than it deserves. These officials said a true suitcase nuke would be highly complex to produce, requiring significant upkeep and cost a small fortune. Counterproliferation authorities do not completely rule out the possibility that these portable devices once existed, but they don't think the threat remains. Vahid Maji, the assistant director of the FBI's Weapons of Mass Destruction Directorate, says, "Now, the, I mean, the, if you're somebody who thinks the government's credible, um, certainly the government contradicting its own uh, claims is interesting nonetheless. The suitcase nuke, he says, is, is an exciting topic that really lends itself to movies. No one has been able to truly identify the existence of these devices. Mm. We've uh, actually reported on this that I said that 
you know, really, they, we have. <laughs> I, news to I, me. I keep I keep an eye on suitcase nukes because they scare the crap out of me. Okay, and um, apparently they shouldn't because they don't really exist. Yeah, that, that's that's what people are more and more saying is that supposedly these suitcase nukes were something um, thought up by the KGB and not really aren't around. But somebody put the bug in someone's ear who was in a position of power, and they started talking about them, and now people believe in them. Hollywood has seized on the threat. Uh, for example, the Fox Thriller 24 devoted its entire season to Jack Bauer's hunt for suitcase nukes in Los Angeles. And that sort of thing scares people, because people think that, you know, they think that uh, Hollywood does research on these sorts of things. And, well, if they say it's, if Jack's searching for a suitcase nuke, then they must exist. <laughs> Maji and other government officials say the real threat is from a terrorist who doesn't care about the size of his nuclear detonation and is willing to improvise using a less deadly and sophisticated device assembled from stolen or black market nuclear material. Uh, one senator said at a hearing that he thought the least likely threat was from an intercontinental ballistic missile. Yes, that's very unlikely. Uh, perhaps the most, most likely threat is from a suitcase nuclear weapon in a rusty car on a dock in New York City, he said, but that's just a senator. What the hell does he know? In they a, don't pay attention. Yep. In a FEMA guide on terrorist disasters on the White House's website, the agency warns that terrorists' use of a nuclear weapon would probably be limited to a single smaller suitcase weapon. The strength of such a weapon would be in the range of the bombs used during World War II. The nature of the effects would be the same as a weapon delivered by an intercontinental missile, but the area and severity of the effects would be significantly more limited. So essentially what you have here is some government agencies saying that these could exist and others saying, nah. Never happened. Not very likely. We've ne- they've never actually seen them. No one has ever produced a working example of a suitcase nuke. Interesting. So maybe it's not something you should really be scared of. I'm uh, concerned about uh, terrorists getting little pieces of them too. Uh, you know, setting up a larger device that they don't care about. But how I, are they going to do it? I am uh, a little more concerned about the government um, than the terrorists. It seems to me that. Uh, there's very, very low chance that any of us will ever encounter a terrorist strike in any way, shape, or form, whereas we're 100% likely to encounter government-sponsored uh, violence or government threats of violence. Every time you pay your taxes, you're being threatened with violence. So it seems to me that the real terrorists that we really need to be concerned with are the ones calling themselves government. 800-259-9231. Let's go to Dave in Ohio, listening on WAIS. Hey, Dave. Hey, guys, there's other forms of profiling that they do mental illness. They profile people with mental illness. Yep. Do they actually put them on a map? Not that I know of. Now, who is they? The, the go- which people in government are doing this? The police, the government. So, like, people that get uh, Baker acted or they get reported as uh, having possible mental problems, they get uh, notes taken in their file, that sort of thing? Yep, they do. Well, you can't they, buy a gun if you have a mental illness. That's true. Been. They certainly are. Re- they certainly restrict people with mental illnesses. That's for sure. But I can't see it being politically feasible to go around and round up all the autistic boys and put them into camps. Right. Now, Dave, um, I, I've, I've talked. You know, I certainly am not the one to say that uh, people that the right people's right to pe- keep and bear arms should be infringed. But I, I got to wonder about this, people with mental illnesses buying guns. Now, I'm a convicted felon, and there's plenty of people out there that think it's a great idea not to allow me to buy a gun, and I think I should be allowed to buy a gun. Mm-hmm. I should be allowed to protect my family, um, just like anybody else does. But can you sort of defend that whole uh, mental illness, not buy a gun thing? Um, 
They think, like. hmm? they think that someone might go postal with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is what they think. Dave, thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. I'll defend it. Uh, first of all, it's uh, supposed to be a free country, and so therefore, if you want to restrict people with mental illnesses from buying weapons, then that means you're going to have to crack down on private gun sales. Because if if uh, you know if we get together, Mark, and I don't know you, and you're crazy, and I've got a gun to sell, and uh, you you look normal, because people with mental illnesses don't always, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you look normal, you sound normal. I'm going to sell you the gun, and then all of a sudden, you've got the gun. So you know. Putting restrictions is just going to make it so that legit gun sellers, the ones with storefronts and that sort of thing, just have more paperwork to do, more background checks, and more difficulty for the rest of us to buy guns. Sure, anybody could go online and buy one through one of those eBay gun sites. Are there such things? More more coming up. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. The features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us, including, oh gosh, everything. The bulletin board system, archives, wiki, updates, live streams, all there. We give it away, but if you like the show... Go and shop with us at store.freetalklive.com. Great Free Talk Live branded merchandise just in time for the holiday season. Check it out, store.freetalklive.com. Do you need a new computer but just don't seem to have, money or, uh, have the money or credit to buy one? MyPCCredit.com is your answer. Finance top-quality new computers and laptops and hundreds of other electronics. There are no credit checks and no turndowns. If you're 18 years or older and have proof of income, you're approved. Prices start from just $22 a month. So go to MyPCCredit.com and finance your new computer today. That's MyPCCredit.com. So I said earlier in this hour that I thought that it was government that was the real terrorist. And that's, you know, that's a claim that's actually pretty easy to be backed up. I mean, it's governments, not terrorists, that have been responsible for the killing of millions of people in the 20th century, uh, 20th century alone. In fact, I believe government is the number one unnatural cause of death, as a matter of fact. Well, if you label it that way. And I mean, I, I would agree with you that governments certainly have gotten out of control. I would say that our government's getting out of control. Right. And uh, I pre- and I've frequently and previously have suggested that the solution to the problem is to, well, simply get rid of it. Now, we don't <laughs> have to do it all in one fell swoop. And I like what Ron Paul said. Ron Paul's very good, by the way, at, um, at not positioning himself as some radical, heartless libertarian whenever somebody asks him, well, you want to get rid of welfare? He says, no, no, I think we should take care of the dependents. And then allow everybody else to opt out. Like with Social Security, keep paying the people that expect it and they they feel like they need it. But let everybody else say, see ya. I really think that's a a, a very diplomatic approach on on his part. And one that'll work. Get get him a lot of votes. But I think eventually we really just need to forget about this whole federal government idea and uh, allow states to secede from the union and allow them to just go on their own way and, and do their own thing. And I think that would be very beneficial. And, in fact, I'd like to, uh, to point you to some evidence that people can actually get along without government. Now, we've talked about Somalia before, and everybody will de- de- derail that as being, well, the third world, and uh, you don't really want to live in Somalia, do you? No, no, I don't. 
But it's true that they don't really have a, much of a government to speak of there, and things are going along just fine. In fact, they, uh, their quality of life has been uh, consistently improving since they th- uh, threw off their government, and it's really only the UN's fault for continuing to try to foist new governments on the, the Somali people. They're the ones that are uh, that are funding the warlords. They're the ones that the warlords are fighting over, trying to get uh, in charge of a new government again. So all the violence and, and awfulness that's happening down there is a result of new governments attempting to be imposed upon a people that doesn't want to have anything to do with it. Now, the, the violence is not to be seen in Belgium, at least not yet. I guess the UN hasn't been trying anything in Belgium quite yet. But according to the Telegraph in the UK, five months have gone by in Belgium since elections failed to produce a government. That many Belgians are beginning to feel that life might just be better without politicians. The Belgian state is experiencing its worst political crisis for 177 years, as it marks 149 days of failure to produce a coalition government after elections on June 10th. But life has continued as normal for most people, as the protracted negotiations and squabbling between 11 Francophone Walloon and Dutch-speaking Flemish political parties drags on and on. On her way home through a bustling Brussels rush hour, 27-year-old Nadine Vandenbosk wondered what Belgium's political class is for. She said, we may, have gone, uh, we may have gone without a government for a record time, but nothing has changed. People still go to work. We pay taxes. Not sure who they're paying it to. <laughs> Maybe they have, like, state governments yes, there. Yes, the bureaucracies are probably still um, around. It's just that there's... You know, like no legislature the making metro, new laws. The metro runs on time. If they aren't careful, they'll realize that we Belgians don't need them, she said. Others are angry. Mark Voters, a local government worker, expresses <clears> his <throat> fury with a crisis that has tarnished Belgium's image. He says, what is, what is the point of elections if 149 days later we have no government? Every Belgian feels empty, confused, and angry that we are ridiculed internationally. Well, I'm not ridiculing you. I, in fact, would like to give the, uh, the people of Belgium a round of applause for actually being able to successfully live without... Mommy government standing around doing, you know, passing new laws and new regulations and doing the things that governments do. Because according to these people, everything's going just fine. In fact, he said, even this government worker says, who needs these politicians? I, great question. Who does need them? Hardening divisions. Apparently between, they don't. Between Flanders in the north and the southern region of Wallonia are making it more and more difficult for Belgian politicians to form new governments and has thrown the future of Belgium itself into doubt. So what they're talking about is there might be some sort of split. Uh, they, it may end up being yeah. two countries, that sort of thing. But hey, 150 days, no government, everything's fine. <laughs> Things that make you go home. Tensions between Dutch speakers, who make up 60% of Belgium's population of of 10.5 million, and French speakers, have given rise to an electoral system organized along rigid regional and linguistic lines. One Flemish postman, who did not want to be named... Uh, argued that while most ordinary Belgians took a live-and-let-live attitude, politicians elected on a uh, Flemish or Walloon ethnic criteria are in the business of talking up differences. It's funny. Uh, we don't have any governments that try to highlight differences between groups of people and pit them against one another, do we? That's what governments do, I'm afraid. Yeah. He says, after 27 years of my job with a perfect record, I was told I would stay on the same grade unless I could prove I was bilingual and fluent in French. There was no problem, but the politicians made one. Ordinary Belgians understand each other. I think it's the politicians who are speaking a completely different language. 
800-259-9231. So, no federal government to really to speak of in Belgium, and they're doing okay. Let's try that here. Mm-hmm. 800-259-9231. Let's go to Fetus in Kentucky. You're on Free Talk Live, Fetus. Hello. Hey, uh, what's on your mind? I was wanting to talk about promiscuity and monogamy in America and open relationships. Okay. Okay, shoot. I believe that promiscuity and open relationships are okay as long as both parties agree. Well, that's the, I, I believe that's the definition of an open relationship is that both parties have agreed to that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, but I believe in monogamous relationships myself. Mm-hmm. With, uh, with guys I, in animal suits. <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> now, um, so I, I, you know, it doesn't sound like there's a, a lot of uh, contention here. I would say that most people say, well, if you want to sleep around and it's okay with your partner, then I guess you can. Chances are, you know, not bad that you could catch some co- kind of disgusting little disease and bring it back home, though. Yeah, that's where the tricky part is with the, you know, the open relationship concept. If you aren't being really, really careful with who you're sleeping with. Uh, and how you're sleeping with them. In that, A, you have to get testing done. B, continue to be honest on all sides. So you've got your main relationship that you've got going on, and then somebody else wants to go and break off and see another person. Uh, then, you know, you have to trust everybody to be honest. And the more people you bring in, the more difficult that becomes, the more likely lies will be told, and then the more likely you'll encounter an STD or something like that. So I'm with you. I, I agree with uh, that, you know, monogamy certainly is the safest road. Uh, yeah, I agree fully. Uh, bringing in a third party always complicates relationships. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, although there, it does have its merits, you're unhappy in your relationship. I hate to play devil's advocate, but it does have its merits. If one party is not getting what they want in an open relationship, they can get what they want. Sometimes. This is true, and it could also theoretically make the other party wonder, you know, well, what have I done wrong? Um, and hopefully if they're, if they're on still good enough terms to discuss that sort of thing, maybe that would give the other party an opportunity to uh, to make it right. Though then again, I mean, the term open relationship can, can have different meanings. Uh, technically, I am in an open relationship, but it's not open in that my girlfriend and I are going around having sex with other people. Neither of us are interested in doing that whatsoever. Um, but we do have an interest in, in honesty and in that if somebody is disappointed with the other person or if, you know, if there is a, uh, something that's lacking in the relationship, instead of just going out and remedying it by having sex with someone else, which is what seems like a lot of uh, couples do that are in so-called monogamous relationships, it's called cheating, that, uh, you know, we would instead discuss it and talk about it and, and then, you know, if someone still felt the need to go out and, and I don't know, have sex with someone else that they would be able to by the agreement in the relationship. So I don't know if it's truly an open relationship, but it's somewhere in between uh, what most people have and an open relationship. Well, I mean, it's just a a relationship that's designed to foster communication. I don't know that I would call it an open relationship. Right. Any other thoughts, Fetus? Well, they don't have uh, three-way marriages. Uh, They don't have three-way marriages for nothing. Uh, I mean, they don't have them. Oh, yeah, they do. Well, there are polygamists. Yep. Sure, there's lots there's of three uh, six-way you know, marriages. We've, we've had all kinds of uh, you know multiple uh, marriages out there in the course of human history. And if you go out to Arizona or Utah or that general vicinity, you're liable to find some here in America. And you know what? It should be legal. They sh- those folks should be able to get together into those. If you want to live with you know ten women or ten men, whatever, man, whatever floats your boat. It's your life. 
You should be free to do it. Thanks for the call, Fate. It's more on the way. Hour okay. two's coming up. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The feature's there for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Rolling right into the phone calls. Dennis in Connecticut. You're on Free Talk Live. Dennis? Yeah, hi. How you doing? Great. What's on your mind? Well, this whole issue of whether uh, government is more of a threat to us than the terrorists... Yeah. And um, it really kind of leads right into the whole debate about 9-11. Does it? I think it does, yeah. I mean, what, would a government be willing to carry out a false flag operation against its own people? Uh, there are clearly, there's clearly evidence throughout history that governments have uh, carried out false flag operations, so, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, Hitler did against... Uh, the Reichstag. Uh, Russia and, and Poland and the like, the, the burning of the rights, uh, stag building and, and the like. And, uh, so, I mean, you know, the, the, the 9-11 truth movement is alive and well in this country on that premise. And your point? Um, well, I didn't know where you, where your position was on that. <laughs> oh, really? You've, okay, you must be a relatively newer listener to the show. Occasionally the, uh, the truthers will call in and try to, you know, yammer on about, uh, the melting temperature of steel or whatever other, uh, useless factoids they've got to deliver. And, you know, it's all very interesting and academic, but. Could very uh, well be true. It, yeah, it could be. Um, the, the point is, even if it is true, um,. It's about as relevant as who shot Kennedy to yeah. um, to the average American, and it just doesn't have any legs. Right. Many Americans don't even remember what year 9-11 happened in, so... Um, either, they can't uh, name the vice president. The other thing that's interesting about the truthers is they, they are very upset at the current administration. I don't think uh, there are a lot... Of, I mean, there are different people in the 9-11 truth movement, obviously, but the general impression that I get from their uh, their calls and, and just the, the, the stuff they put online is that they want to bring these guys up on charges. But at the same time, they also believe that the entire government is controlled by, you know, this New World Order concept, uh, this this group of elites that, that runs everything. And uh, so I find it kind of ironic or interesting uh, that they want the same government that they believe that's so evil to charge its own people with crimes. I mean, the government, if it is indeed evil, and I believe it is, is going to protect itself. And even if it does charge somebody with a crime, it's just a symbolic thing. Uh, it never really changes the fundamentals. Uh, if you change out the entire administration with all Democrats, it won't make a difference. And I think most, I, I would think the truthers would understand that, but yet they continue to, to push and push and push for, we need to know the truth, we need to get these people charged with something, and that really will show the Americans how bad government is. But but they keep positioning that it's not necessarily government that's a problem, but it's this government. You know, they they think they can elect the right people, or at least some of them do, and and actually make a difference in Washington D.C. And I I just think it's I think it's all. Um, kind of like spinning your wheels, essentially. They're not really getting anywhere. They do hours and hours of research. They always brag about how much research they've done, but how much activism have they done? How much, uh, you know, real-life 
boots on the ground uh, activism have they done? And at the same time, what sort of activism are they doing? I mean, yeah, there's some 9-11 truthers that go and uh, filter into like the Tonight Show or the Bill Maher Show and make a whole bunch of noise and get themselves thrown off the set and act like they're being shut down by the man when, it, when what they were really doing was just being disruptive jerks. Um, so really, uh, the, whatever level of activism I've, I've seen them do hasn't really been very effective at bringing people over to their side. I mean, even I am an open-minded person and I've seen the I've seen the videos, you know, I I I'm well aware of your viewpoint, but you've done nothing to persuade me. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a very interesting uh time we're at right now. I mean, I I I tend I support Ron Paul and and um I mean, everything he he states about abolishing the IRS and abolishing the Fed um talks about liberty and security. You know, he quotes Ben Franklin Mm-hmm. You know, if if you if you're willing to to give up liberty for security, then you'll you'll end up with neither. And I mean, but if you look at 9/11, I mean, look what happened as a result of 9/11. Um, you know, we we got the Patriot Act, and uh, that's very similar to what happened in in Germany under Hitler. And, oh, I agree. So- I think that's very important. I think it's very important to look at what happened as a result, not necessarily the uh, details of the allegations of what happened on that day. I think you're absolutely right. I think looking at what the government has done in response to 9-11, destroying civil liberties, uh, you know, uh, creating new laws. We just talked about last hour how they want to they map the Muslims in Los Angeles. Uh, so the, the disturbing police state trends that have been sped up, because it was a trend before 9-11. They were already, the police state was already on the rise. It's just that they used 9-11 as, as an excuse to accelerate that process. And I think that's what we really need to be focusing on. And, and to some extent, that's what we talk about on Free Talk Live is the loss of liberty and uh, and how to get it back. That's real right. important things. Uh, you know, the melting temperature of steel, not so important. That's more of an academic discussion uh, that's just going to waste people's time. Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to look at things like um, the old adage, uh, good cop, bad cop. And I look, you know, you, you can take any of the agencies in our government, like the CIA, the FBI, any of these, and you're going to have good people and bad people. When you try to convince people that the government is bad, they they, they don't sign off on that. But if you try to say, well, there could be a um, uh, a corrupt cabal within the government, a shadow government, uh, and the like, and uh, you know, they they start wondering. But um, I mean, I I kind of wonder about the secret societies and how much influence they have, and and the like, and. Uh, I don't think it matters. I I think all that's irrelevant. I think that it doesn't matter if there are good people in government. Mark, your wife used to work for a government bureaucracy. She's a good lady. Mm -hmm. Um, But the fact is, it's the system that's the problem. It's not necessarily that there are bad people, and there are. There certainly are corrupt, um, awful individuals in government. It's the system. The fact is, government is force. And when government wants you to do something, it's it's demanding it of you at the threat of of, uh, jail time. And that's essentially a threat of death, because if you refuse to go to jail, they'll probably kill you uh, while trying to to capture you alive. So really all government programs, no matter how benign, no matter how nice the bureaucrats appear to be, are backed up by force. And really the most important thing is helping people understand that, not that there could be some evil secret shadowy cabal. That's, you know, that's going to get you labeled as a conspiracy whack job. But if you can, you know, if you can point out to people the inherent force in the system and simply explain to them and help them understand that it's not nice to threaten your neighbors with force if you want them to to do something that we should be interacting on a voluntary basis instead, I think you'll have a, a high, much higher uh, a much higher probability of success in helping people shift their paradigm. Does that make sense? 
Well, yeah, but so the question is, is how do we make people shift their paradigm? I mean, is it going to be through, like, uh, um, uh, trying to explain how government tends to be to drift toward uh, force, or, or is it the idea that there, is, that there are, um, you know, evil people within the government, you know, and that there are, you know, these secret conspiracies and the like. I mean, well, like, I, I guess it would depend on your, uh, your audience. I believe that for most Americans, the former part of what you said applies, that we can show them very clearly using real-life examples that aren't questionable, um, that you will see in the news on a daily basis, show them how government is force. It doesn't just lean towards force. It is force. Um, if you know somebody who loves conspiracy theory, then by all means, hit them with your conspiracy theories. They'll probably eat it up. But the fact is, if you start spewing conspiracy theories, most people are going to write you off as a wackaloon, and uh, you'll never have the opportunity to convince them of anything right. else. Right. Go out. Just as far as uh, conducting an, uh, an experiment on this, go out on the street and talk about the local sports team, and I bet you have some people that want to talk to you. Go out and talk about how 9-11 is an inside job and how the government uh, planned it all, and I'll bet you nobody wants to talk to you. You're going to piss people off, and that's not a good uh, good way to start a conversation. And I yeah, wish you, that the, the 9-11 truthers would understand tact, and I wish they would understand all these things, but they're obsessed with the 9-11 truth thing. You're, you're drawing thing. all kinds of generalizations. There's um, all kinds of truthers as well as um, all kinds of every group. Well, it's like with Christians. You know, the Christians get all lumped in together, even though there are lots of different types of Christians. Unfortunately, if you align yourself with the 9-11 truth movement, people are going to think you're a conspiracy theorist, and you probably are. Well, so, you know, one, one of my favorite lines is uh, from 1918, uh, the scandal, the the black socks, you know, say it ain't so, Joe, you know, uh, Joe, uh, uh, shoeless Joe Jackson, uh, you know, the the headlines of the paper, the, and the little kid handing out papers saying, you know, say it ain't so. I mean, when when. What is it going to take to wake the American people up? I think each person has uh, a certain line in the sand that has to be crossed. And the more we can talk about government and how awful it is, uh, not just this government, not just this administration, but government in general, government as a principle, as, a, as just a bad idea, and it, how wrong it is to use force on people, the more we can point it out, the more people will wake up and realize it. Thanks for the call. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, you can bring up whatever's on your mind, toll-free, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, completely free. So enjoy those on us, uh, including the wiki, over 1,450 pages created by listeners like you. Uh, you can go and edit the wiki to your heart's content. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com and get interactive, wiki.freetalklive.com. And you can use the Liberty Dollar every day, America's second most popular currency, to transact business in a proven, positive, peaceful, proactive, and profitable way. Find out what you're missing. Go to libertydollar.org. Stop using Federal Reserve notes. Start using the Liberty Dollar and return America to value $1 at a time. That's libertydollar.org. Now, I want to go back to uh, what Dennis was talking about a moment ago. Not the 9-11 truth thing. We've certainly trashed on them enough. Um, the question about Americans and waking them up, right? Now, the 9-11 truthers, they want to wake up Americans to the conspiracy of 9-11 and, uh, so they can know the truth and get outraged. Well, our vision's a lot bigger than that. Uh, we want to help wake up Americans to... You know, the fact that government isn't necessarily what you thought it was and that, uh, you know, it, it could use a lot of work. In fact, 
I think our flashing it down our task is easier uh, personally. I mean, it, it seems to me that you can show step by step that the government has all kinds of unintended consequences. Absolutely. And that, and that in fact, uses force to get what it wants. In fact, the important point here is to point out that not only can we show step by step those things and we can use real concrete, real life examples by major news media sources instead of, you know, questionable conspiracy crackpot uh, websites. We can use real examples to bring people into the fold and, and help them understand that government is forced and transitioning toward a more voluntary society is beneficial. But the important thing to point out is that we don't have to do it one you know, we don't have to do it one hundred percent. It it won't matter if all Americans come along in this direction or not. The revolution in the you know, the seventeen hundreds was done with a percentage of the population, a small percentage yep. of the population. In fact, historically, all ideas have been started by a relatively small percentage of people. What has become very popular ideas were started on a very small basis. So we don't really have to worry about converting every American to understanding and loving liberty. All we have to, all we have to be concerned with is just converting the next one. And then the next one after that, and so on and so forth. And eventually, we'll have enough uh, liberty lovers in America to where it will be cool and popular and hip to love freedom. Where the people who are in support of the state, the people who are in support of coercion and using force on others, will become the odd man out. They will become the uh, you know the throwbacks to the way things used to be. Uh, they'll be they'll be ostracized. People will think of them as you know like the the way people think of slave masters nowadays. And I think that uh, you know again it only requires a certain percentage of the population to start to understand liberty to where that uh, sort of point of saturation is reached where it just becomes something popular and something cool because most people uh, are followers. I mean let's be honest. Right? That's the way things are. When poli- when it comes to politics and those kind of things, most of them just don't care. Simply don't care. So therefore, sure. they're going to go along with whatever uh, you know, whatever is popular at the time. So if there's some big movement towards liberty, eh, they're going to go with on- along with that. They're going to repeat the things that are told to them. In fact, if you look at uh, the history of the liberty movement, one could find a lot to be depressed about. You know, if you look at the last 30 or 40 years and the relatively slow rate of adoption amongst our, for our ideas, you know, you could look at that history and say, well, why even bother? Nobody's, I mean, it's, it's so hard to recruit people to liberty. It's I think a, that there have been a, a lot of advances in the last 30 years, and especially in the last few years. I think that it's well, exactly. synergistic I, and compounds. Well, the, yes, the last few years, oh, that's what I'm saying. So if you look at the last 30 years, you won't see a real big, you know, real big uh, jump until the last maybe three years, uh, with especially the last 12 months with Ron Paul and uh, the Ron Paul campaign. I mean, the last caller mentioned Ron Paul is uh, something that was pretty exciting to him, and, and clearly it's exciting to a lot of Americans. Look at the fundraising numbers, $4.2 million in one day last week. They're going to do it again. This time they're tracking, uh, they're going to try for $6 million in December. I believe it's, uh, is it, oh, December 7th that they've chosen? I, that, the day that'll live in infamy? I should know because I signed up for this thing. The Tea Party. I thought it was, it was today for uh, the... Tea Party 07. Uh, for Veterans Day, I know they had had a money bomb that they were intending to do. Yeah, they had one today. Nothing nearly as successful as uh, yeah, it's, 5th I, of November. I can't imagine they're going to be uh, that successful the next week. But, I don't think uh, anything's going to be um, as successful as that was. Here it is. December 16th. December 16th is uh, the anniversary of the Boston Tea Party, and that's when they're doing the next money bomb. 
And you can go and sign up at TeaParty07.com if you want to pledge to contribute $100 on that day to Ron Paul. I've already done it, uh, which I didn't sign up for the last one, but I did pledge anyway at mm-hmm. the end of the night. This one I figured I'll, I'll throw my pledge in early because, man, they, they blew me away last week. It was really amazing. Yeah. But my point being here, and you know, as far as the history of liberty goes, it's what we talked about last week with the idea that most of the progress comes at the end. Or no, it was like two weeks ago when we were talking about technology and some of the exciting things that we're going to see in the future, the biotechnology, the nanotechnology. They had, uh, they had mapped the human they'd started mapping the human genome in the late uh, late 80s 1989 they predicted they'd have it done in 15 years in 2000 they'd only done a fraction of it and their critics were derailing them saying bah you'll never get it done or you'll never make it in the amount of time that you thought you would but then 3 years later they they completed it so most of the progress happens at the end it's slow going for quite a long time. Certainly the visible progress. Right. It's slow going for a long time, and then eventually you start really ramping up. And I think that's what we're going to see with, uh, with the message of liberty. And in fact, maybe we're already seeing the beginning of that ramping up phase where liberty becomes, it hits that point of saturation. It gets, you know, we, we, we've already passed the point of, uh, what's it, Gandhi's, Gandhi's famous saying? First they laugh at you. Then they uh, then they fight with you, and uh, and then you win. I'm missing a step. There's a third step in there. They laugh at you, you ridicule you, uh, then they fight you, and then you win. It's it's first they ignore like, you. Ignore you. That's what it then was. Then they laugh at you. We've been ignored. We've been laughed at, uh, and we're somewhere around the fighting part. I think right now. So eventually, and you know, you look at that, uh, and you look at the 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 just the rate of people getting into this movement nowadays with the Ron Paul campaign. I think we're on the cusp of that point of saturation. So that's just me. Maybe I'm being Pollyanna-ish. Maybe I'm being overly optimistic. Uh, but I, you know, we're in the, moving in the right direction. Right, and and I think that that is the most important point. You know, maybe we won't get the uh, the the free market utopia that you're hoping for out of Ron Paul, but at the very oh, least, we certainly won't. <laughs> but at the very least, we'll get uh, something. The ship of state is going to be turned towards liberty. The, at the or or the attitude of the people, and therefore, hopefully, the ship of state mm-hmm. will be uh, turned towards. Liberty to some extent or another, and I think that uh, I think it's shown by the socialists um, in last century. You know, the, the whole idea of socialism was antithetical to what Americans believed. But and they never won an election. The Socialist Party never won an election, nope. but their platform was adopted by the Republicans and the Democrats. Right, both of them. Both of them now essentially advocate all kinds of socialist programs. Because they're big government and that that benefits them, um, and a politician's going to have to see the benefit of getting elected from a pro-liberty standpoint. Um, and LewRockwell.com's blog is reporting that the, uh, the the Republican competition is already changing their tune to some extent to sound more Ron Paul-like. Uh, of course, hopefully it won't fool the American people, and uh, they'll be able to tell who the gen- genuine article is. Uh, because it's one thing to talk, it's another thing to do, and Ron Paul is a doer. More on the way, you can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This 
This is Free Talk Live, your show. Bring up what you want toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there for free, including the archives. So if you've missed a moment of the show, never fear. They're all right there on the front page. Click and download. There's no logging in. There's no membership fee. You just go and get them. On us, freetalklive.com. American Consumer News is an online magazine which will provide you a steady stream of money-saving tips to help get you closer to financial freedom. The magazine discusses topics such as investing, real estate, frugality, debt reduction, and much, much more. That's AmericanConsumerNews.com. You know, Mark, this website... I went and uh, took a look at it here. Me too. This is right up my eye. Uh, it really alley. is. I knew that it would be a great advertiser for us. Um, this is show prep. Like it. I'm bookmarking this. It's um, there's, there's a thing on there on electric cars, which is really great. Um, there was another article, which you know, it's slipping my mind right now. I've got now. one right here. In fact, I'd, I'd like to share. It's uh, credit card debt. How to pay off credit cards. Mm-hmm. And this isn't a problem I have because I've never had credit card debt that lasted more than the first month. You know, I, I paid it off as soon as I got the bill. But a lot of Americans have this problem. Well, I can tell you that I've, um, I, I've, I've intended to pay off my credit cards every single month. I don't want to pay credit card mm-hmm. debt. But in fact, I've had months where it's slipped beyond and I've had to pay. Really? And that's bad news. Uh, it's, it's just money that you could be spending on something else. You could be saving that. Every dollar that you... Um, that that you don't that you spend now is essentially you know thirty years from now seven bucks. Um, when it comes to retirement, you're talking about some a much larger number than that. So every dollar you spend is something you could be putting away to live a more comfortable life later. Well, let me get let's go through these tips here um, because I think they're pretty valuable for a lot of Americans and people around the world that are up to their ears or at least um, wallowing in a little bit of credit card are you, debt. Are you really going to use it as show prep? Great. I'm I'm bookmarking this site, man. This is uh, good stuff. Okay. Uh, credit cards, uh, credit cards are are amazingly easy to get into and almost seemingly impossible to get out of credit card debt. That is, when we're young, we we naively get a credit card in hopes of building our credit, purchase a few things here and there with the best of intentions. Now, I have to disagree there, though. I think there are actually some young people. Some young people know what credit is, but I was never taught what credit was in school. Government mm. school never taught me what credit was. So I think there are a lot of young people that actually get credit cards because they believe it's free money. I don't know how many of them there are, but I think there are a few people out there that... A know, lot of people use it like it's free money. Right. It, it certainly feels like free money that first month when you use it. Yeah, just swipe the card. Hey, no problem. And it's much more difficult to to, to track. I mean, when you have, you're spending money for the week in your wallet, right. you know when you're spending it. So anyway, he says, with the best of intentions of paying off our balance at the end of the month, we end up charging more and more because we like our newfound purchasing power and really don't consider the debt we're building up. Before we know it, we have thousands of dollars in credit card debt, and it seems that the light at the end of the tunnel's been shut off. Fortunately, there's hope to be had. You can pay off your credit card debt in a fourth of the time that you normally would. The problem with credit card debt is compound interest. With many credit cards, you'll be paying anywhere from 19 to 29% in interest. Oh, that's brutal. Uh, And this will take you to the cleaners financially if you let it. Most of your payment will be going toward the interest, and very little of it will be going toward your principal balance, making it take seemingly forever to pay off your debt. And that, of course, is what the banks want. They don't want you to actually pay off your credit card. Why cards. would they want that? Since most people are paying minimum payments or close to it on their credit card debt, it will often take them decades to get out of their credit card debt. If you want to say goodbye to the balance on your visa once and for all, the first thing you have to do is stop borrowing on it. 
you never pay it off if you keep charging things up on it. So cut it up and put it in water and freeze it so you won't be tempted to use the card again. If you send in $100 a month on a credit card debt, change that so you pay $50 every 14 days on your credit card. And in order to do that, generally you have to get an extra um, envelope. You'll have to make this up yourself. Um, they don't send you, you know, they, they send you an envelope for once a month payments right. with their address on it. Well, now you could do it online. Uh, I true. pay my credit card online, it's and uh, you can go in there any old time you want to. I pay. used to do the same thing that he's suggesting, but I did it before I really paid my bills online, so right. it's been a couple of years. Now I don't get to touch money. My wife does it all. Now, how did you find out about this, Mark? How did you find out about this method? It's called the Eisenson method. Um, I guess. Well, I knew that the, there was uh, interest. Uh, I think somebody suggested that if I wanted to uh, uh, do my house payment that, that way, that I would save X amount of dollars by the end of the year. It's a it's a brilliant by, idea. By the end of the uh, term of the loan, 30 years. Right. It's a brilliant idea, and it would work for house payments, too. Uh, in fact, he points out that uh, the method essentially makes it so you're paying extra payments without even realizing it. Over the course of the year, you'll end up paying two full extra payments, which will go completely toward the principal balance of the credit card. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at the numbers, it seems like it's the same. If you're paying $100 a month versus... $50 every 14 days, it sounds about the same, but it's not true. Because each month is a little bit different, you know, 31 days versus 30 days, that sort of thing. Instead of being 28 days each, you have more than four weeks per month, usually, except for February, obviously. Um, so because of that, you're paying on a biweekly basis instead of a monthly basis. You actually get to fit in uh, extra you, – you're, you're leveraging that extra uh, – those extra payments that you're making without even really paying close attention to doing it. And you aren't really taxing yourself that much extra because it's, you know, what's the difference between 14 days and 16 days, you know? Not much. So interesting approach. He says it's shocking – uh, it's shocking how fast you can get out of debt using this method to pay off your credit card. Since the interest rates are so high on your debt, paying down extra on the principal will dramatically reduce the amount of interest you pay. In fact, you'll likely be able to get out of your credit card debt in one-fourth of the time that you normally and, would. And an advantage to this, um, you know, credit cards are youth- useful tools. They're dangerous tools, kind of like a handgun. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do a good job of using your credit card and paying down the debt every month and 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 you know, getting you know uh, getting your uh, you know balance down and that kind of thing, then you'll be in this category of people that they consider a little too savvy for the regular credit card offers. So they make you superior credit card offers, really low rate credit cards, really? that kind of thing. Yeah, to encourage you to spend more and more and that well, sort of thing. Or it, what? It, you know, yeah, because at some point or another they figure you're going to slip. You know, I <laughs> they're going to get you for the interest and if. If that they, makes sense. So they figure if you're doing really well with your payments, that if they lower the interest, you might be more likely to charge beyond your, your means. Sure. I mean, when you're thinking about it, um, as I, I have never seen a credit card with a rate this low. But say I've got a home loan at uh, 7.75% and a credit card at 6%. I think I've, I think I've seen them. I, th- I think I had one once that was at 7% mm-hmm. um, in APR. The, which one are you going to pay off first? The one with more interest. Right. You're going to pay your. You're going to pay extra money towards the home loan and let the credit card ride. Mm. Now, um, the, I, I don't know everything about compound interest, but I hear that there's reasons why not to let your credit card slide as yeah. opposed to the home loan. But um, you know, that's the idea is that they're trying to get in under the other, um, you know, your other loans. Now, wait. Are home loans uh, ca- calculated on a compound interest basis? They're not, are they? Aren't they uh, permanent? Like, you can. 
predict exactly how much you're going to be paying throughout the entire – I don't know a lot about loans. You know, I just sort of pay them on time and, and follow the rules. But with um, compound interest, you're, the interest is compounding. With a loan, you've got a 30-year – I mean, unless it's an, uh, one of those adjustable ones. If it's a 30-year fixed, you know every month what that payment's going to be. Not a financial expert. I, mean, I can tell you that uh, – I can tell you that – they design those contracts in order to to get as much money out of you as possible. All I know is what I. It isn't simple interest. That's for sure. Right. All I know is what I've done, and that is, you know, I've been, I've, I've, at the, when I get a chance, I do put a little bit more money into my home loan. I do pay a little bit down to principal because I know that what that does is going to shorten the length of time I have to pay for. Right. They won't reduce the amount I have to pay as a result of that. So for me, every single month, I've got one no, of those 30-year no, fixed. Yeah. It's the same amount every month, even if I, whether I put in $5,000 or the, the correct amount. It's going to be the same amount next month regardless. Whereas with the credit card, he's saying that as it continues to compound, it keeps going up, right? The amount that you owe every month continues to rise, even yeah. though it'll still show it as, oh, you only have to pay $20 this month. It might only show that consistently month after month, but the amount you totally owe keeps rising because of compound interest. So I think you're right. It is more dangerous to let the credit card slide. Not that you should let your home loan slide either. You need to think about your purchases before you get into them, and don't just go and buy something because it's new and shiny. You know, oh, a plasma TV. Pay your I bills before you buy yourself extra stuff. Yeah. I like to have a rule that, um, just a rule that I have to have five times the amount of what I want to purchase in savings before I'll go and buy it. So if I'm going to get a, a plasma TV, I need to have, you know, $10,000 in the bank before I'll even consider something like that. More on the way, it's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want toll-free. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features for free. If you like the show, then you should AMP. Go to amp.freetalklive.com. Get signed up to help us advertise, market, and promote the show. That's where the money goes. It's 3 bucks a month, and uh, your $3 comes in, goes right back out the door into promoting Free Talk Live and getting the show on more radio stations, thereby spreading the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible. And, you know, if you're a Ron Paul fan and you've maxed out your uh, 23 hundred dollars that you've sent to ron send some our way uh because you know by proxy ron paul will get some extra promotion uh if free talk live is on 300 stations instead of 30 stations then that just means that uh the ron paul message gets leveraged that much more it's true how many other are, how, are there any other nationally syndicated radio show hosts out there that are really gunning for ron paul uh, what's boards what's boards up to I would imagine Bortz is not supporting Ron Paul, not from what I've heard. I've read some things online. and Some libertarian. You know, what he a does, load of nonsense. He just doesn't agree with the uh, the war policy, you know. His, his he's point no of view, libertarian. His point of view, um, and he's pretty darn libertarian when it comes to domestic issues. You're not a libertarian if you support, uh, if you support initiated war. His point of view is that uh, the United States would create a vacuum um, by not being the superpower anymore. Somebody's going to be the superpower... Who's it going to be? It might as well be us. <laughs> Ludicrous. Well, anyway, uh, Ron Paul is what I want to talk about. We touched on uh, touched on him earlier in this hour, and we were just talking about financial responsibility. And if you want an example of a presidential candidate that understands financial responsibility, Ron Paul's that guy. Yep. You give Ron Paul a credit card, and he's going to be very, very judicious with it. Uh, and just look at the way his campaign is being run compared to the other campaigns. The Romney campaign, for instance, uh, Mitt Romney has to loan himself money. 
because they can't actually raise the money from individuals. I mean, they've got their big corporate sponsors and everything, but he's had to give himself money. John McCain, apparently out of cash now, he's had to loan himself $3 million. Mm. So uh, all these campaigns are just spending, 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 and then, you know, they're loaning themselves money to McCain's make McCain's in difference. a tough position because, uh, you know, he was... He sort of, he took a real hit. He's not as high as he has been in the polls, mm-hmm. and but now he's on his way back up a little bit. So well, I don't really pay pay much attention to the polls except for the Ron Paul numbers. So understood, I can't but I you know I I look at those people that are above Ron Paul, and he's on his way up a little bit. So it's got to be like you know the the gambler sitting at the table. He's lost a bunch of money. Now he's gaining a little bit of money back. He wants to get back up to that point where he mm-hmm. was, and then perhaps win big. You know, the the place where he started from. When you're chasing lost money. Oh, man, it's tough. So, yeah, he's out of it. Uh, whereas the Ron Paul campaign has millions of dollars in the bank. And it was all raised uh, pretty much online, most of it. I mean, they had the occasional uh, $1,000 plate dinner, that sort of thing. But the bulk of their contributions are coming in from their website, which, Mark, you said was was down a few moments ago. Is it is it still down? Can you check that? I'm sorry. What was the, the, the Ron Paul website? Is it is it, on, it was, offline? It was down just a second ago. I'll check it out. Well, anyway, uh, let's talk about what happened. Because I know he got over two thousand. Um, he got over eight million dollars, and I wanted to see that. Yeah, see that for myself. And he uh, is over eight million dollars. And the it's last... probably everybody trying to see that, and, and they're just crashing the right. site. In the last month and a half, I know they've had to upgrade their servers. It's still down. It, it's it's looking that way. Okay. Uh, well, maybe they're doing another server upgrade. Well, so, I can tell you that the Ron Paul campaign is live and well. I just spoke to their. Uh, Press liaison Je- oh, good, Jesse good. Benton today, and um, Ron will be uh, gallivanting around uh, New Hampshire for tomorrow. Not this direction, though, huh? No, th- he's going to be up in uh, Berlin and right. uh, P- Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh and well, let's uh, talk about where he was in Philadelphia at the Independence Mall. Have you heard about this uh, little shindig they had little? there? <laughs> yeah, it's like it was 5, huge. 5,000 people. 5,000 people, and it was all pretty much organized. You know what they were, right? Hmm? It was actually the same spammer over and over again. <laughs> yeah, he cloned himself, right? <laughs> Those guys, they're so awesome. Uh, no, what really happened is, the, uh, the again, it wasn't the campaign that put this together so much as it was the volunteers, the grassroots. Once again, the whole Ron Paul campaign is organized in a completely different manner than the other guys. Here's a story from a guy that was actually there, thecrossedpond.com. He says uh, the rally in Philadelphia was a huge success, the biggest, uh, the biggest yet by the campaign's own estimation. But more importantly, it was a different kind of rally, a different animal from the well-organized but still sort of on the cheap and thrown together traveling fun hog road show of the types we've seen before, which are also great, by the way. Despite some small local hit pieces that pop up every now and then describing Ron Paul supporters as all middle-class, geeky white men, this crowd was all over the map. Racially, partly because it was Philly, I suppose, but I saw more African Americans, for instance, than any Republican rally I've ever been to. Class-wise, age-wise, and even ideologically, he says big cheers came up for each group when Ron mentioned there are, quote, a lot of Republicans, cheer, some Democrats, cheer, libertarians, and even a few anarchists out there. Uh, he says that veterans, it didn't look good in the 30 minutes before the rally when only a few dozen vets were in the designated vet area, which had a few hundred seats, but the entire section filled up with vets of all ages and from all branches in their unofficial uniforms. Businessmen, students, families, crazies, rednecks, urbanite liberals, you name it. This wasn't just diverse in terms of weirdness. It was as close to a cross-section of the real America that I've ever seen represented at any political event. And I think at some point in the future, I might look back to this weekend as a real turning point in the campaign. 
This was the campaign spending real money putting on a real fun front rather front runner worthy event, and at least to my eyes, it was a real pivot point from grassroots based rabble rouser to genuine contender slash real deal campaign. And the key point is, that money was well used. The event was a huge success and will likely be the new template for the Paul campaign for their future key big rallies. What's more, there were a hell of a lot of new people. One worry early on was that these enthusiastic crowds were just the same people coming over and over again. And I'll tell you that, um, that it, in a lot of cases, it, are, it, it is a, a bunch of enthusiastic people coming over and over again to events that are you know, in their local area. But I, I don't think you can get them to go all over the United States. I mean, no. <laughs> not most of them. That's an expensive proposition. He says, I'm one of those people in that I've probably been to almost a third of his bigger East Coast rallies in the last few months. But I can say from doing that, and it was particularly evident this weekend, that the movement is being padded every week by a steady stream of new supporters who are very quickly being turned into the same vehement activists that the old supporters are. I can't tell you how many people I met this weekend who had never heard of Ron Paul or hadn't heard much of him beyond a debate performance until very, very recently. But once they're hooked, they're hooked. Ron's still only at about 5% nationally, but that's another 1% a month since the day he started, more or less. And from what I've been seeing as a tree in, the, in that forest, those 5% are assimilating into a larger movement that has already become organic and salient here, self-sustaining. To put it simply, we're winning converts. We're not turning millions of people onto the message yet, but we're growing. And that, as often as anything, is the key indicator for any campaign or ideological movement. And the nice thing about the Ron Paul campaign is it's both. Ron, can- Ron Paul is both a campaign and an ideology. Just, I mean, he's talking about liberty. Right. And that's based on principle. And the more he talks about that, the more people are going to get it. Whoever can enterprise on, um, you know, win or lose, whoever can enterprise on Ron Paul's uh, brand um, is going to, they're going to be something very big in the liberty movement. He says, what's more, I also saw or had it reiterated to me that Ron doesn't need to run according to most mainstream conventional wisdom rules of campaigning. It made, us, uh, it made a lot of us anxious in the early campaign when he would even say the words sound money or when he would start to get, an, uh, to get educational and specific rather than simply milquetoast mainstream meaningless but nice sounding platitudes. Yeah, I mean, that's, it, it, it's a little scary. I can um, totally sympathize, but I love it when I uh, – the, the one time I heard Ron Paul speak – um, at the uh, Liberty Forum last mm-hmm. year. Oh, my God, I couldn't believe those things were coming out of a politician's mouth. A guy from the um, United States House of Representatives was talking about destroying the Federal Reserve and getting rid of the yeah. IRS. Oh, my God, I loved it. I, 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 I stood up at the end and I clapped for a politician. The blogger says, does this make him less likely to win? Perhaps, in the sense that he's certainly not entirely what's expected of a national frontrunner. And so... He probably won't be until, if at all, the day people realize he's got um, he's got the delegates. However, what I haven't given enough people credit for is not 50% of America, but a lot of people, no honesty, no integrity, no leadership when they see it. And Ron's got it. And that's attracting people, even people who themselves are just now getting to the eye-rolling, anxious stage, but are still being drawn in. Ron's one of the few campaigners I've ever seen who, as a human being, is just as interested in educating his audiences or confronting dominant ideologies than with... Um, uh, than with just getting them to easy applause lines, stringing those together and leaving. What's more, and again, this is relative, but that approach is working. People like me often watch him and react to the effect of, well, I know that's the normal way of doing, uh, or I know the normal way of doing things is BS, but that's how it's done. You're doing it wrong, Ron! 
What we're not giving enough credit to is the fact that there are a fair few people like us who are themselves saying the exact same thing. And when you do string enough of those people together and start getting those people listening, eventually they start becoming less and less concerned with the last clause of the sentence and more concerned with the first, essentially flipping their emphasis. You know, um, Ron Paul is uh, getting people that you know aren't interested in politics interested in politics. Yeah, he's doing it differently, but who's to say the way that the politicians are doing things is, is the right? right. Way. It's exactly. just a good way to lie sure. to you, that's all. Right, it's just the way it's been done, and it's a logical fallacy to believe that it, well, because it's always been that way, that's the way it should continue to be. More on the way, you can take control. Hour 3 is coming up. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the program, and you can take control of the airwaves if you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project, your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about them, head over to freestateproject.org. It's the second American revolution. That's freestateproject.org. As we go right into the phone calls here, again, you can bring up anything. Thing? Jarvis in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live on the Amp Line. Hey, Jarvis. Oh, hey, guys. You guys were talking about the Philadelphia rally for Ron Paul. Last right. Time. A huge uh, estimated attendance, 5,000 people. Uh, was it, over, it was over the weekend, right? So Was it Sunday? Yeah, it was, uh, uh, no, it was Saturday, uh, and it was in just the perfect spot. Um, on one, across the street, one direction was the Liberty Bell. Mm-hmm. Across the street, the other direction was the Constitution Center. Mm. Uh, just, just perfect location, um, and actually, catty corner the other way was the Philadelphia branch of the U.S. Mint. And uh, <laughs> Paul mentioned that when he gets back to hard money, they can mint the uh, the coins for it. <laughs> Interesting. So, um, what are what are some observations of the uh, the event? Yeah, there were a few things. Um, so uh, he was. You mentioned that he was, he uh, kind of mentioned all the different kinds of people he had: the Republicans, Democrats, Independents. And I actually was expecting him to say libertarian. Your your report said that he did, and he didn't. Um, when he got to where I thought he was going to say libertarian, he said anarchist. So I actually pierced <laughs> that one. How um, how awesome is it? I mean, just the idea that there's a nationally uh, a national presidential candidate who's actually thanking the anarchist. anarchists in public <laughs> for attending his events. I mean, how cool. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I was thinking that that's sort of uh, one part of what I think is really cool about his campaign is he's embracing a lot of different kinds of what are normally fringe people. Like he embraces kind of the um, the conspiracy theorist, 9-11 truther types, but he does it in a way that doesn't uh, alienate the non-parts of that group. Like when he was kind of appealing to them at the, during his speech, he mentioned that he was going to audit Fort Knox and see what was really there and, and <laughs> open up the government and so that all the truth um, – you know, would be made bare, you know, like, like, you know, there wouldn't be any more secrets from the government, which appeals to everybody, not just to conspiracy theorists. Well, everybody except the neocons. I mean, they want secrets, but yes, most people, your average American likes the idea of transparency in government, sure. Right. Um, And the other uh, aspect of the article that I I wanted to vouch for was just the the wide array of of just people. I I mean, there was, you know, whites, blacks, Mexicans, I mean, there's all different kinds of races, Men and women. I mean, a lot of people have said it's all you know white men. Specifically. I mean, there were tons of women there. I don't know what people are talking about. Hmm. 
Um, and also people, like, really made a, a trip for it. Like, I was talking to one uh, group of people that came from West Virginia, made the trip from West Virginia to show up at this rally. It was just amazing. It's a good trip. That's what the, new, the, the sort of the new uh, t- tact is by the media is to pigeonhole Ron Paul's supporters into what? Wow, they're all a bunch of middle-aged white men. Uh, they're they're trying everything as they though, possibly can. As though most people at a political rally aren't middle-aged white men. <laughs> so they're they're desperate. You know, they don't know what else to do. They can't make fun of him because he doesn't have money because he's got money. Uh, they can't really make fun of him because uh, he's not getting attention or website hits. He certainly dominates the internet. I mean, they they're running out of things. Shining to make too fun much of him light for. on his issues is dangerous. Yeah, they're running. They're ru- just running out of ideas. Yep, and he's gaining. I think uh, because of things like this, he's, I think he's gaining some more regular uh, media attention. My uh, wife pointed out to me in the Sunday New York Times there was an article about the Philadelphia rally. So, and not you know. It wasn't a hit piece, but it and you know it wasn't super glowing either. But it was it was you know good exposure I thought for him. So the more he does these kinds of things, and the more people show up, I think he's going to get the regular attention. Right. At the end of the news articles have to be fair, um, otherwise you know people aren't going to take them seriously anyway. Right. Very good, Jarvis. Any other thoughts? Uh, that's about it. Thanks, Thanks for the much. call, dude. 800-259-9231. And, you know, the Ron Paul machine continues to roll on and uh, convert more people, garner more support, more Internet contributions day after day, cracking $8 million today in the uh, in this quarter. Just an amazing uh, – it's an amazing phenomenon and something for, for liberty lovers around the world to really perk up and pay attention to. It's just fantastic. And uh, speaking of uh – media articles being fair even the unfair ones i think it makes people ask questions so oh there's no such thing as as bad publicity right you don't see duncan hunter getting any hit pieces yeah right Get, mike, mike right. Hunk, huckabee isn't uh, getting any hit pieces. i'll take it please write me write a hit piece about free talk live go right ahead i'd love that Anyway, um, here's some other news for you. Easy Pass. Most states have these now, don't they? Yeah, Sun Pass or something. Yeah, they they usually some version of the Easy Pass where if you're someone... Some kind of Big Brother tracking device that you can (laughs) take to go through the tolls. Actually, this isn't about tracking necessarily, this story. It may or may not be. It's just about how you're getting ripped off. Possibly. Okay. Um, and again, it's the government, so if you've got a problem, well, (laughs) there's not really much in the way of customer service. But the uh, you know the idea if you're not someone who drives a lot you might not know about this but if you drive a lot and you go on certain stretches of of highway you will find toll roads and they've converted par- portions of the toll um facilities to right. this easy pass the thing, easy p- portion to get through where you basically you get a transponder and it's uh, it, you put it on your car and then when you drive underneath this little mechanism it reads it with a radio frequency signal or something like that mm-hmm. and it identifies you and your car and and uh, essentially you've got a, an account with them and it's and it deducts you prepay into the account and then it deducts uh, whatever the fee is you know 75 cents whatever the toll is uh, and in some cases, you can get a discount on the toll if you get the Easy Pass. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it duck, deducts the fee, and you drive through, and it's it's fast, and it's it's a nice, cool kind of technology, at least for the world of tolls. Tolls, I think, are still a bad idea, but at least it makes it less burdensome to pay them. Or does it? It may seem to make it less burdensome, but it might actually make it so you're paying more. 
According to the Red Tape Chronicles at MSNBC, millions of drivers around the country use Easy Pass and other electronic toll collection systems to speed them on their daily lives. But consumers are discovering there's a price to be paid for the convenience. Loss of privacy, haggling between state systems, accidental fines, and now add to that the orphan exit. You heard about this yet? Exit. No. You probably know you should read your bills carefully every month looking for signs of fraud or overcharging by retailers. But if you're like most people, you probably don't do it anyway. Fortunately, Pennsylvania driver Kathy Sonato, or Suntato, is that special consumer who keeps her magnifying glass nearby when scanning her bills. And we were talking about some consumer issues, and thank goodness for people like Kathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, once each week, Suntato gets on the Pennsylvania Turnpike at Philadelphia and gets off at Willow Grove, about 20 miles up the road. Under the Turnpike's toll scheme, that should cost her 75 cents. But seven times in recent weeks, Suntato was charged $5 instead. The reason? Orphan exits. Never heard of them? Well, if you drive on a highway that collects tolls electronically, you better get to know them. Suntato, like millions of drivers around the country, keeps her EasyPass box with a radio-enabled computer chip attached to her windshield. Every time she enters or exits the highway, a Pennsylvania Turnpike Authority computer makes note of it and deducts the toll from the prepaid account that's replenished by charges against her credit card. Privacy advocates have long warned of the dangers of a system that knows where drivers are coming and going, but consumers have embraced the EasyPass system because it lets them speed past traffic jams at toll plazas. In some states, including New Jersey, EasyPass users even get a discount. But Suntato isn't getting a discount. In fact, she's paying extra. Toll fees on the Pennsylvania Turnpike are based on distance, in that the farther you drive, the more you pay. But what happens when the system doesn't know how far you drove because the computers don't know where you entered the highway? They charge you the max. In Pennsylvania, you pay the $5 orphan exit charge. Tom Kohick, the customer service representative with the Turnpike Authority, says, We modeled it after the ticket system, where if you lose a ticket, you pay the full fare. Full fare on the nearly 500-mile highway is more than $20, so the agency figures it's being fair by charging only 5 Suntato is Why do they think that's fair? In their ca- in this case, they lost the ticket, so they should give you the ride for free. Well, it's it could just simply be a technical difficulty, but yes, it is their fault. It's, but it's their gizmo, not my gizmo. I Sin- bought their gizmo with the uh, idea of making my life easier. Yeah. Well, Sintato isn't so sure about uh, the fairness. Seven times in recent weeks, her car was not registered entering the highway, but was recorded as it left. The mistake has occurred at the same highway entrance every time, with both of her cars and two different EasyPass gadgets. She says this is another way EasyPass is ripping off consumers. They make more money when they don't read the tag. It seems clear to me they have equipment problems and aren't correcting them because, hey, it's easier and more profitable to just charge five bucks. And who's really paying attention? More on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. The toll-free number for you is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The Shrine of Female listeners is there with two brand-new Shriners. Go and uh, take a look at, uh, I believe, Kathy and Megan. Uh, just added over the weekend. You can see them at shrine.freetalklive.com. It's the ladies that have proven that they listen to the show. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Want to pay higher prices for goods and services? 
Well, you do every time someone doesn't pay their bills. That's one of the many compelling reasons SACL CAI has been at the cornerstone of collections for more than 35 years. Before you pay higher prices, think whether the business, be it bank, hospital, retail store, or utility, could use some help with their collections to contain cost. They're not passed on to you. Um, tell them to call the dedicated collections experts at SACL CAI for a no-cost, no-obligation proposal. proposal. SACL CAI. See their banner at freetalklive.com. So we're talking about government roads, and this has always been a bone of contention on Free Talk Live, the the concept of, well, should the government run the roads or should we turn it over to the marketplace? That's not really what we're looking at uh, on this particular episode. We're talking about Easy Pass, which is kind of a uh, an amalgamation between government and uh, some corporation, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not government that's manufacturing the Easy Pass devices. No. It's some private company that's behind it. Uh, but who's in charge of maintaining the Easy Pass system? Is it government bureaucrats or is it the Easy Pass people too? Either way, it doesn't matter because I suspect it's bureaucrats. I don't know. I'm not going to go out on a limb there, but it okay. doesn't matter who's in charge of maintaining it because it's still an agreement between government and some private, uh, you know, private company. Either way, it's that sort of you know fascism that we have in this in this country where government works hand in hand with uh, with corporations to screw us and. What we found out here is that the EasyPass system has a neat little feature that if your car doesn't get registered coming in when you pass through the tolling location, mm-hmm. if for something, some, whatever happens, there's a failure and it doesn't notice you going onto the, the, the highway, then when you leave and it notices you leaving the highway, you get charged for an orphan exit, as they call it. And you get the full amount charged to your bill. Right. In uh, this lady's case, five bucks instead of 75 cents. Exactly. And she points out that most people aren't aware of this because, and here's an interesting point, uh, according to this, a 52-year-old woman from Yardley, Pennsylvania, says that most consumers never receive paper statements from the Easy Pass system because they cost extra. Oh. Dr- drivers must look online to see the tolls they're paying. So... If you don't have internet, then I don't know exactly how you would ever find this they out. They don't want you finding it out. Right. And it's not like, you know, it's not like the the toll plazas are uh are unprofitable. I mean, they must rake it in sure. at those toll plazas. So, they paid like for the, their little roads long time right, ago. Right. The roads have been paid for. Now they're just raking in cash. So it's not like they can't afford to send out uh itemized bills. They just aren't. But I'm sure they claim it's to save the trees or whatever. But in reality, it's to cover up these orphan exit charges. Uh, she says drivers must look online to see the tolls they're paying. And as we've already said, few consumers are likely to take the time to study every toll charge and spot the problem. Sentado said, what about all the people who are trusting them to do their job correctly and are being ripped off? Coic and Turnpike, uh, Turnpike Authority spokesbureaucrat Bill Capone say orphan exiting is not a revenue-producing trick. In fact, they note the computer computers also register orphan entrance. The system knows when the car got on, but not when it got off. Those people apparently get to drive for free. <laughs> Sweet deal. There are apparently, Strange. There are plenty of possible reasons for the errors, he said, among them low batteries in the Easy Pass car gadget. Drivers who wave the device in front of their windshield rather than leave them on the windshield in the car, and of course the occasional system glitch. Orphans are rare, but perhaps not as rare as you'd think. Well, if it's true that if the system sees you get on but not get off, then what happens if you block that, you know, 75% of the time? Then you pretty much aren't paying anything, right? What if you just 
don't let the system see your little transponder when As you're leaving. leaving. Yeah, put it in a lead box. Right. Uh, he's, Hopefully they would uh, have a trick for that. He claims that orphans are rare, but perhaps not as rare as you might think. He said about 1% of total transactions are orphans, but system-wide they tend to balance each other out. That's no help if you're on the wrong side of the equation, like Ms. Sentado, who might now be the state's biggest advocate of watching Easy Pass tolls carefully. But are the problems enough to make her revert, uh, revert to the old cash system? That's just not practical, she says, because now there are so few human cash toll takers on the job that toll booth traffic jams are even worse. Mm. So because of the Easy Pass, the people that are backed up at the existing human uh, staff traffic booths, it's twice as long mm. to get through there. She says it would cost me at least a half an hour every time. Ultimately, Sentada was out only about $35, which the state is now refunding, but not before she was told to fill out a state form several uh, seven times, once for each overcharge. To help finding the form, to, uh, she had to call the state's customer service agency during regular business hours since the office is closed on nights and weekends. Those hassles make it likely most drivers end up just paying the full amount, Sentado figures, leading to a phantom toll increase so that's how they're screwing you on the easy pass just kind of an interesting little yeah pay technical attention aside. You, get a, you get because caveat emptor buyer beware of course these are government roads government toll plazas and is it's it certainly makes sense that they don't have an incentive to fix this problem i mean after all there's nowhere else you could really go Right, you can't really go and ride on any other roads. But somebody might say, "Well, Ian, you know, you advocate market roads. You advocate getting the roads out of the government's hands. If this is the same road run by some private entity, you still don't have another road to go to." In which case, I would say, "Well, that may or may not be the case. There usually is some other way to get somewhere." Uh, but I think in the marketplace, in the, in the uh, if we had a true free market in roads, we'd have a bunch of different road owners. And there would be a lot more competition than we see today. We don't really see competition today. Though are there, there are some examples where you can see a privately run road nearby a government-run road. People can drive faster on it and that sort of thing. Well, I can but, tell you one thing. One thing's for sure. Even if, um, you know, if there was this world of private roads, which I wonder the the feasibility of it. But if there was that's this how world, it used to be. This world of private roads. Um, and you had to pay tolls at every booth, and there was no other system for it, no advertising to augment the uh, the costs and that kind of thing. You would still pay less just with with just toll roads, because the government, whenever they spend money on anything, they spend way, way, way too much. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, a multiple of what they should be spending. Right. And what is a road? Laying down some tar and blacktop? I mean, I, I, I don't want to minimize it. Certainly, if I wanted to put a road on, on my property, it would cost me a lot of money to do so. But it would cost me. Less than it costs the government, I guarantee Well, it. right, because you can shop around and you care about price point, whereas the government they could give a flip. So I think that what you'd end up seeing is more innovation in the ways to pay for roads. Mm-hmm. I think that tolls are sort of a uh, an outmoded government version of how to pay for a road. And, of course, as you pointed out, they've already paid for the road. Now they're just collecting your money because they can. Uh, in fact, I loved it when we were driving here to New Hampshire, uh, when, when we were coming up from Florida and going mm-hmm. through New York. One of the toll attendants actually alluded to this being highway robbery. <laughs> and we just sort of chuckled like, ha, ha, yeah, right. this, That was going um, – there was a uh, toll going through Manhattan. Um, are you telling me that Manhattan, one of the oldest cities in America, <laughs> hasn't paid for its roads yet? And this was a really expensive toll. Yeah. 
so I think what you'd see in the marketplace is uh, more innovation. I think a lot of roads would be advertiser-sponsored. I mean, what a great way to get people to use your road. If one road's a toll road and one road's advertiser-sponsored, mm-hmm. <laughs> who's going to drive on the toll road? I'm going to drive, and I'm going to see billboards, and that's how I'm going to pay for the road, just like how you... Take the Google Expressway. Just like this radio show. You listen to the advertisements, that's how you pay for Free Talk Live. It'd be the same thing with roads. More on the way. Google Expressway. That's cool. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are for free. We've got the bulletin board system with over 300,000 posts for you to surf around through. It's a lot of stuff. Serious issues, fun stuff, you'll find it all. bbs.freetalklive.com. It's free. bbs.freetalklive.com. Are you having trouble getting the restful sleep your body desperately needs? Before you reach for addictive pills, try the Sleep Generator. It's a CD that uses scientifically engineered audio frequencies that interact with the human brain in such a way that it almost forces quick, safe, non-addictive sleep. So if you're really having trouble falling asleep, go to www.highspeedsleep.com. Remember, for deep, restful sleep, it's highspeedsleep.com. 800-259-9231 to the phones and the fun. Justin in Canada. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Justin. Hey guys, uh, I'm, I have a few things to say, so I'll try and cover this hot and fast. All right. Uh, first thing is the Canadians, a lot of them are calling nowadays. I was wondering if there's any of you out there that know of a Canadian political show like this. Uh, because I am. <laughs> hey, now, wait a minute. Branded. Is Free Talk Live a political show? I disagree with that assertion. <laughs> He well, does disagree with that. Keep us in the loop when something important happens. Political shows for... do not talk about furries. <laughs> just as an yeah, example. Yeah, that was quite a call, guys. That and, was, sure and, was. You know, we, we try to then. we try to cover issues rather than politicians. Yeah. I mean, you don't hear us talking about besides Ron Paul. Ron Paul's the exception, not the rule on free talk. And I'm sure you'd like yeah. to see Ron Paul elected here in the United States too. Yeah, I, I even donated. Uh, you know, that's how important it is. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not illegal for a Canadian to donate. It's just illegal for uh, for someone to take his donation. And Is that donate so? It, right? Okay. I, mean, I don't know. What I mean, he's out of their jurisdiction, right? They can't do anything to him. Anyway, about that. Anyways, uh, so the first thing is, I recently found this uh, great market that's like a grocery store, and it's privately owned. There's like seven in my province, and they're all um, like organic. Mm-hmm. And it's great because they actually have an in-house nutritionist, and uh, I just wow. thought it was great because they uh, they're trying to compete with the big guys, and they're doing very well. What's so, the name of the What's the name of the store? Uh, Choices Market, mm-hmm. and uh, they even have this little newsletter, and it's made out of recycled paper and all this. And great people, very cool, so very it, cool. It's quite quite a joy. Uh, I was wondering about extradition. Uh, what do you see happening in the perfect? market uh if someone were to murder a bunch of people and then run to mexico it's an interesting point uh okay well in the in the marketplace uh then we would have protection services provided by independent groups uh agencies uh private agencies that sort of thing not government uh so essentially the insurance the insurers or whoever's protecting 
would would have an interest in ensuring that that person doesn't come around and kill any more of their clients. So they would be the ones that would be likely to do whatever investigation was required. Of course, there's always the possibility that the victim's families and friends would be able to also hire on. If he didn't have any insurance, they could possibly, you know, hire somebody to do that sort of job. And essentially, you could you could have a bounty hunter situation. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of criminals that are on the run today are caught by bounty hunters, not by the actual police. So yeah. I, I think that you would just simply have that same situation just in, existing in more of a, a market-based paradigm. But that's just how I, you know, how I envision it. And of course, it's impossible for me to sit here and predict how the market will operate because it's really yeah. the people in search of profits uh, that will come up with the innovations uh, that would that would make a difference. And of course, a bounty hunter isn't bound by uh, necessarily, if, especially in a free marketplace, there aren't any government rules that would bound, that would bound, bind him what would bind him would be sort of you know the industry standards uh whatever those would be there would be certain things that they would be expected uh to adhere to by uh, that, and that would be probably set by industry groups that sort of sort of in the same way that uh, standards are set like uh I don't know the VHS tape versus Betamax I mean that's that's really generalizing the concept but if he yeah. there's there's no prohibition against necessarily uh, doing things that the police can't do. If you're a bounty hunter, you can do more than the police can. You know, they don't have to follow the same set of rules. But at the same time, they'd have to be careful. So, you know, if you were a suspect, he couldn't just break into your home and gather evidence because then he would be committing a crime and he would be subject to investigation. So it's not like they could just go and and do a whole lot of damage on, you know, be on the war path on the, on the way to uh, to abducting a suspect. They'd still have to be careful and they'd still have to be judicious about what they did or they or their reputation uh as a a decent individual be ruined as well i hope that makes sense yeah for the most part any other thoughts that's all thank you thanks justin 800-259-9231 by the way to answer his first question we didn't really answer it uh I don't think there are any other shows like Free Talk Live. Not, at least not not on the radio. Certainly there are some people with some very liberty-oriented shows in the world of podcasting. No doubt about it. I mean, our, our buddy uh, over at, what is it, uh, I can't tell his, I can't say his real name, I guess. Okay, um, Liberty mind. Radio Underground? Yeah, the Liberty Radio Underground. Uh, mm-hmm. Citizen X. He's Dan, one of them. Dan Carlin's. Uh, Dan Carlin's Liberty-ish. Ish. Uh, then there's Radio Free Liberty. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's uh, uh, Stefan uh, Molnew has a podcast as well. Uh, isn't there... Uh, Liberty Cap Talk Live. Liberty Cap Talk Live is another one. Yep, yep. So there's a there's some good ones out there. I, I think they're all based out of uh, America. Uh, I I would guess there's got to be a Liberty show based out of Canada. If not, start one. It's not hard to do in the world of podcasting. But as far as major mainstream media on real radio station transmitters, I don't think so. I mean, there are the there are the hosts that call themselves libertarians, like Neil Bortz. Not a libertarian. Okay. Well, he may I... take some libertarian positions, but that doesn't make him a libertarian. Uh, and then Glenn Beck, he's not even close to Neil Bortz in his libertarianness. <laughs> uh, Larry Elder, I think he's one of the more libertarian guys out there, but he lost his syndication gig, so he's only on one transmitter right now, but I guess that counts. What's the guy who subs for uh, Rush Limbaugh? Um... Walter Williams, definitely a libertarian, but it's not a regular gig. Pretty so close. That doesn't really... Nah, it doesn't count. Isn't Steph- Stefan Molnu in Canada, though? You're right. Thank you for that. Stefan is in Canada. Okay. So there you go. Stefan Molnu and uh, Free Domain Radio. That's his show. 
800-259-9231. You know, but since, uh, Stefan doesn't have a, uh, a, a small government uh, guy there to, to rein him in like you No, do. he doesn't. In fact... Uh, he doesn't have a, a, a small government uh, Ed McMahon. In fact, Stefan sent me an email the other day pointing out one of his articles uh, that he that he has written recently, and I took a look at it. It was it was pretty neat because he's very creative when when he writes, and he was basically juxtaposing. Uh, to summarize the article, he was painting a picture as though he were um, at one time in a family full of racists and had gotten away from that. And uh, he was hanging out with some of his, you know, black friends, and they were taking him to task for still seeing his family because, well, you know, whatever, they're his family, and he still felt like he should see them, even though his family were all avowed racists, you know, mm-hmm. members of the Ku Klux or Ku Klux Klan. And so they were basically pointing out, well, how could you possibly, how could you, on one hand, say you aren't a racist and you disagree with uh, with what racists do and you've you've rejected it personally, while at the same time still propagating a friendly relationship with people who are avowed racists? And of course, he would make excuses like he thought he was getting somewhere that there had been some progress made over the last couple of decades of you know having discussions about race with his family, and then they showed him proof. That each member of his family had re um, had n- none of them had renounced racism. In fact, they'd all uh, they'd all signed up again, or they'd renewed their memberships to the Ku Klux yeah. Klan. It wasn't working. And he po- you know, they they pointed out to him that hey, you know, you hadn't done anything you, over all these decades and all your discussions, they haven't changed. Why do you continue to uh, to do that? And so they made him, you know, he felt really guilty about it. And then on his way out the door, uh, the guy that was uh, chastising him suggested that uh, he was on his way to a meeting about his son running for office. And uh, those that don't know, Stefan Molnieu is a real hardcore um, market anarchist kind of a guy. And I don't know if he was suggesting this, but it was sort of the impression that I got. It seemed like he was suggesting that... Real anarchists shouldn't affiliate with use with those small government people that want to run for office. You know, like the the anarchists that are supporting Ron Paul, for instance. Mm-hmm. The pure anarchists look down on that sort of behavior. It's like that same mentality of well, right. well, those pure anarchists are getting nothing done. I right. can tell you that. And I mean, that's my objection. Such a fringe group, and uh, uh, you know, they're they're really an anchor around the neck of the uh, liberty movement, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I like Stefan, and I like the things he talks about, but that particular aspect, uh, I happen to disagree. With. And we'll talk more about working towards liberty in the system in moments. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, but just enough time for your call if you make it now at 1 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800 259 9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are free. So enjoy those on us. And if you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, start your shopping experience at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. When you enter through that portal, Free Talk Live will get a percentage of anything that you purchase. Now, you won't see it when you check out, so it's sort of transparent to you. But trust us, as long as you enter through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, Free Talk Live gets a cut. And... You can wow and amaze your techie friends with the new Zero Blaster. It shoots smoke rings 12 feet. They're the perfect gift for every, uh, for anybody who likes neat stuff. Get your blaster at ZeroToys.com. That's ZeroToys.com. And not only did the good folks over at Zero Toys send us the Zero Blaster to test for ourselves, Mark, mm-hmm. and we were doing it in the studio the other night at our at our webcam, which was kind of fun. 
and it works just as they claim it does. Shoot smoke ring, uh, smoke rings, and everything. And I tell you what, uh, I still haven't had to refill that thing. It, it it just keeps on going and going. Uh, it blows a lot of smoke from that thing. And you know, one bottle gives you twenty five thousand fans smoke going rings. here in the uh, studio, so it doesn't really go twelve feet because you know the fans blow the little smoke. Right, rings you need away. to have st- uh, stay uh, just still steady air, air still yeah. air, yeah. But it's it's pretty cool, and and I you know as, as darker it is, the little LED lights up the ring and. I love I love geek stuff, which is why I uh, I really like the products that they've got in their catalog. I mean, I was just looking at the first page here. They have the Airzuka, which mm. is that that cool thing that it, <laughs> if you don't know it's around and someone shoots one of the Airzukas at you, it just kind of catches you off guard, and it's really <laughs> really cool. And then they've got the Airzuka combined with uh, the smoke ring, uh-huh. which is interesting. Uh, also, they've got the water ball, which shoots balls of water. You like a, a wad of water? You know, it doesn't have a. It's not contained in a in a water balloon or anything. Right. It just shoots this. It, it's kind of like a squirt gun that just shoots this wad like of water. water. Ball. It's amazing. Yeah. They got a little uh, one of those little remote control helicopters that looks like a mosquito. Right. Right. Yeah. They've got. I mean, they've got all kinds of cool geeky stuff in here. I wish I could. I wish I could have the whole catalog. And <laughs> supporting. Uh, I don't the know adver- why I do it at all. The advertisers of Free Talk Live yeah. is supporting Free. Talk live. So that's zerotoys.com. Fun stuff. All right, 800-259-9231. So I had mentioned the uh, the we were talking just at the last end of the last segment about the anarchists, so-called the market anarchists that are trying to shun those liberty activists that are interested in doing well more inside the system political activities. Now I must say, I personally don't think. I, um, as time goes on, I become less and less convinced that it will be possible to change the system from the inside. That's just me personally, from my experiences working and you know working on campaigns and that sort of thing. But that doesn't mean that it is impossible, and it also doesn't mean that working within the system is invaluable, uh, or isn't valuable. And to prove that, all you have to do is look at uh, Julia's campaign for city councilor here in Keene, New Hampshire. And it validates uh, what happened with her campaign validates my belief that I've said on this show many times is that if you use the system, if you run candidates, you are given free press coverage for your ideas. Now, we didn't have, you know, a lot of press coverage about our ideas, about the ideas of liberty necessarily. Well, but we got a lot, a lot of, of press coverage, a lot of her her ideas. You got um, press coverage on a national basis, which is what you might be thinking of. But on a local basis, you got a lot of um, opportunity to talk about the issues and some of the things that Julia thinks as far as... There were some opportunities for that, yes. Um, uh, Certainly a lot more than we would have gotten if we hadn't run for office. And that's my point. Even in an article that isn't isn't focusing at all on the ideas, which there were a couple of them. I mean, one of the articles was about how the uh, the attorney general was going after Julia and threatening her with up to seven years in prison for offering her paychecks up to taxpayers. Mm-hmm. That's what that article was mostly about. But the fact is, it was still talking about our candidate and people that went and learned about her would then learn about liberty and freedom and so on and so forth. And so I think it is valuable to use the system to some extent because. People think the system works because they most, give some legitimacy to it. Right. This people because people believe the system is legitimate, and I don't agree that it is. I agree with the market uh, anarchist people that uh, that it is a violent, an inherently violent system. It's wrong to use violence on others. Totally agree. Which is why Julia was going to give her paychecks back, because that way she couldn't be accused of accepting stolen money. Well, Julia was going to give her paychecks back for whatever reason that uh, she was going to give them back, but. 
It, well, it, you made it sound like you were giving, she was giving them back because you believe that. That's what it made it sound like. Well, she can't honestly say that she's for smaller government and then take the then take the stolen money. She can't do that. So that's why she was giving them away. Um, you can say you're for smaller government. You're just not for no government. Yeah. Well, she's for no government, too. But anyway, uh, my point here, Mark, is that they're wrong about ostracizing the political guys. You have to understand. I think that there's a, there is a, there's a place for all kinds of activism, the outside the system stuff and the inside the system. Because the fact is, you know, Lauren Canario, when she refused to participate with the the police when they were arresting her for uh, for not showing her, showing them her papers, mm-hmm. she got some press coverage for sure. She got coverage. It was, she was looking for it. <laughs> it. It wasn't necessarily positive, but neither was uh, all of Julia's coverage positive. But the fact is, there's coverage to be available. The uh, coverage available on both sides. On uh, th- there's there's attention that will be given to both types of activism. And I I don't think that some of these uh, people that like to call themselves anarchists are even doing the other kind of activism. I think most of them are just sitting around and having discussions. Yeah, which doesn't do anything. In a lot of cases, as bad as 9-11 truthers. I, I really, you know, they, they yeah. might talk to people they know about the illegitimacy of government and, uh, you know, how government's violent. Right. Sure, but what's that do? Not a damn thing. So that's why, that's all I'm saying here is I think there's uh, there's a place for all kinds of activism, and I don't think that political activism is undesirable. I think it is desirable because people believe it's legitimate. There are a lot of people who consider themselves inside that system that are allied with one party or the other, and they need to understand that there are other choices out there, which is why the Ron Paul campaign is so valuable, because it's really... I think Ron Paul's campaign is causing people to question, many of them for the first time, their long-held beliefs. You know, you're a Republican or a Democrat usually because mom and dad were Republicans and Democrats. For no other real rational, there's no real rational basis beyond just that's the way you thought you were supposed to be. It's true. Most, most people are sort of ethnically Democrat and ethnically Republican. Getting back to the, uh, the, the political uh, small government people versus the uh, market anarchists that don't participate in the, uh, the dirty system is, um, you know, here in New Hampshire with the Free State Project, the, there's some disagreements. Wait a minute. Before you go on, I'm specifically talking about the ones that badmouth the political people because there are those that don't participate but at the same time aren't anti the political guys. They right. just don't participate. So there's a difference there. There are those that don't participate and do things on their own, and then there are those that are just a loudmouth that say, well, yeah, shouldn't be hanging around with those guys. Go ahead. Understood. Um, but, you know, to some extent, um, there's there's complaints on the, 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 si- the side of the people that uh, do sort of the activism, that the, the political people, you know, they make a lot of noise, and when we do something, they're not getting, you know, they're, they're not going out there and doing anything, like with the Lauren Canario situation. She didn't get support from a lot of the political people. But I think a lot of the political people, when they talk to, you know, market anarchist types that uh, choose not to vote and participate and that, that kind of thing, they don't feel supported either. Like there's a real schism there, yeah. And I, I think that one that. W- one of the ways to heal that schism would be for uh, people that choose not to vote to say, okay, I'm going to vote for Ron Paul because I'm going to support you guys. And clearly, there are a number of them who are. I mean, Ron Paul's getting up on the stage thanking anarchists, and I've used the term anarchist so much, I feel like I must um, point out to those that are new to the term or have heard it used in uh, nasty connotations before, we're not talking about the bomb-throwing anarchists. We're not talking about the guys that dress in black and they, they're wearing balaclavas mm-hmm. and throwing Molotov cocktails and destroying storefront windows. Those are just 
terrorists. Right. Those exactly. But they call them those people call themselves anarchists, and that's and the that's media problematic. calls them anarchists. Right. And it's problematic. It's given anarchists a, a bad name. Uh, anarchists that we're talking about are the ones that just want to get rid of uh, the government. They feel that it's immoral. These and, are people. Right. Are, anarchists generally are coming from a moral standpoint, and they want to interact. I am a, not one on a voluntary basis. I could be described as it, but I don't. I don't like the term because I. I think also the term anarchy connotates a lack of rules, and I support rules. I like the idea of having rules. There are rules in my house, you know. Uh, you should be able to set rules on private property, so I'm all in favor of that. And I think using the term anarchy confuses. But nonetheless, I find it very interesting that someone like Ron Paul would, uh, you know, would throw out a thanks to the anarchists that are supporting him. Very interesting. So maybe, uh, you know, maybe things aren't as bad with that word as I thought they were. Nonetheless, I prefer to call myself a free marketeer. Uh, I don't like the word either, personally. I think it's, I think it, it you know, it, it, you have the to word work anarchist. Against, yeah, you have yeah. to work against a a long um, litany of history behind the word, and there's, you know, just a absolutely. Sense. We're gonna go unscreened. Call coming in on the amp line. You're on uh, with seconds left. What's on your mind? Hey, uh, just talking about wanted to talk about what you guys are talking about. Okay, you've got like uh, 20 seconds, so do it. Oh, um, well, I just. It's, I, Mark just mentioned it, but it's a moral issue for a lot of anarchists. So saying, you know, well, they should vote for Ron Paul to support the, uh, the political guys is, I, I don't think that's fair. Wish we had more time to discuss that, Dale. Call yeah. in uh, maybe tomorrow night at the top of the show. That way you and Mark oh, can get yeah. into it. Thanks, dude. Uh, we are out of time for now, but Dale doesn't think it's fair. Hopefully he'll call back on that. Yeah. It has been Ian here with you. And Mark. See you tomorrow night online in the meantime. Freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.